0: In the case of Bitcoin Cash though, I would like to make a case for it in that the uh, one advantage that we have is that we have a lot of anti-hype. <laughs> There's um, <laughs> people are probably people are probably a lot more enthusiastic about shorting Bitcoin cash in general than buying it. I I don't I don't like I don't like to bash you know the one coin that I like uh, like this, but that is how that is uh, that is a sentiment. So you know there's uh, not much there's uh, not much lower for it to go. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
1: how you much have a uh,
2: strange definition of good thing. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs>
1: How do we bottom. market anti hype? Okay, still let's, at let's the bottom. Marketing campaign. Love it, guys. Love it.
3: Anti hype. Let's go. Anti hype. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: laughs> it's well, well. I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like the early days sure. of the, the, you know, like before it all blows up. It's like the yeah. GameStop people, like, right? Like, yeah. uh, it's it's uh, the sh- the shorts are the shorts are shorting more than the entire float on the market. How they they can't they can't keep doing this. Right? <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Following Bitcoin Cash, on its rise to global reserve currency, you already know it. Episode number 32, this one is Jet's Roundtable, featuring Cheap Lightning, imaginary username and special guest ben and Tomlin. Today is Saturday, the 6th of November, 2021. I'm sure the guests can all have a chance to uh, introduce themselves Uh, in a little bit, um, you know, because we've got uh, first little group episode that that we're kind of trying out here um, and might be doing more in these in the future as well. Um, But the topic uh, for today that we're going to be leading into it with is the price. Um, We're going to do a whole sort of price focused episode, apparently in in this one, which should be interesting because uh, it's all anybody ever wants to talk about in cryptocurrency anyway. Today it is five hundred and eighty dollars and ninety eight cents, or it was a couple of hours ago when I took this screenshot for Bitcoin Cash (BCH). One BTC is back over one hundred and four BCH. So BCH has has been you know up and down uh, this year, and we've now dipped back under a hundred to one. So maybe sparing some uh, sense of dread in Jet. I don't I don't exactly know, but uh he's in charge of this episode, so I'll I'll let him uh take it from here and uh I don't know, maybe give the give the guests a bit of a introduction spiel as well too.
4: For about maybe two months when I was first uh interested in cryptocurrency was like, Oh yeah, this is something I can get rich off of. And then after that I legitimately have stopped giving a shit and Every time I go on any kind of cryptocurrency, social gathering, anything, everyone's like, number go up, number go up. And like, I'm kind of exhausted by it all. Um, but I also, I don't know if it's just me being cynical or like uh, needlessly defiant, but I've, I've, I've like started developing this idea that price memetics in general is bad. And I'd like to kind of poke and prod uh, and figure out, I guess, more. Because I'm stupid. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why I have this, like, price Mimetics are bad. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, so I guess if anyone wants to just chime in with, like, good or bad, and then go from there. It's uh, it's open air.
3: We're all too polite, so no one's just going to jump in.
0: Uh, having conflicted uh, feelings about price is uh, nothing is uh, nothing alien to Bitcoin Cash people. You know, people were conflicted. Back in 2018, when the price shot up to three thousand something, and people were conflicted all the way down and uh, people have been conflicted about it uh, all the way since uh, it is a phenomenon I would say fairly unique to bitcoin cash because generally generally speaking for literal, almost literally every other coin um, the the community just like is focus all of their energy on the number go up like Bitcoin Cash is unique in that it's
1: community is fairly conflicted about the whole thing on both the way up and down so yeah what do you mean about being conflicted on the sort of on the way up like I do uh, oh, I don't know like, if I was following it enough at that time or if my memory is a bit hazy
0: Oh, uh, like uh, it has it,
1: I think it everybody has been was pretty happy, right? It,
0: well, people are generally pretty happy. But, uh, you know, like one of the ongoing theme about Bitcoin Cash is that we, um, you know, at least uh, that was what I observed throughout the community is uh, that we are pretty uh, committed to basically doing all the things that. Uh, that are the opposite of what BTC was doing. So on the way up, you know, we we'll pre- will not preach that uh, that oh, just uh, you know, hold your coins; you it will go even higher. We we'll just say, okay, spend it. You know, just be careful with your money. Uh, and uh, aside and aside from that, like okay, yeah, uh, I guess the, I guess things are going up, and then you will hear some people say that oh, it's going up ten times more, and the other people saying that yeah, we're happy, you know, but. Uh, uh, let's all pretend that we're not that happy. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a funny mix of things. Uh, yeah, that's what I observe. <laughs>
1: I'm, I mean, I think definitely an interesting part, and one of the main reasons that I like started this uh, podcast, or one of the reasons that I think BCH is is special, is exactly this idea that the community has bought into something bigger than the price. Right? That was the whole point of when Bitcoin started and everything and it was like, you know, going to change the world. And even in the uh, white paper, you know, there's very little or nothing even really about speculating on the price there. The whole entire thing is about if you can send it from one person to another person, that's kind of what the system uh, enables. And there's sort of a brief mention about there being a supply cap, uh, but that's kind of sort of leads into, well, then you could have inflation-free money, uh, but it doesn't really go into, oh, well, that means it would be really valuable or or anything like that. I mean, Satoshi obviously did know there was some aspect to that because then later on made comments about, oh, it might make sense to get some just because if it catches on and then it would be like a self-fulfilling cycle. And I do think Satoshi had the idea, like in making the halving cycle, for instance, Probably some idea that oh, if we just cut off the supply really suddenly instead of making it like a linear sort of distribution, then that will that will kick off like a price mania. I, I feel like that was deliberate, right? But uh, uh, I'm not I, sure I, I don't oh, know.
0: whether that is deliberate or just you know an easy thing for him to implement. Uh, but yeah, it turned out that way. So.
3: Well, it would be, well, it'd be silly to think that Satoshi wasn't considering economics at all when, when developing Bitcoin, right? So, yeah, of course, like the value of new global money had to have uh, come into his mind. And he, he even said something, if I remember correctly, like 21 million uh, with, with all of the decimal places divides you know, very well to the population of Earth kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it certainly was something he was considering. Um, but uh, yeah, he didn't say like you're you're going to you're going to all get rich if you buy this. No, of course not. That wasn't you know he wasn't he wasn't out there selling this thing like guys get into it. Come on, we're going to the moon. Jump on now. This is this is the way. I promise you a thousand x thousand x. Jump on now. Like he wasn't doing any of that. Like it's all very philosophical and and uh, and uh, you know tech focused, right? Like we're solving these problems uh, and. You know there's there's some people who say that like you know the 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 quote from the newspaper wasn't you know it was just to prove the date it wasn't a statement about economics or or anything. I don't believe that at all. I believe he very specifically chose that headline right um as you know well you're making a money thing and you make a headline about money of course uh that has to be intentional, so yeah, he was aware
1: i mean it seems to me like if you if you think about the history of crypto though right so i got involved in 2013 right before that sort of uh, mount gox bubble so i mean you both uh, at least two of you have been in this longer than i have uh so you can correct me if i'm wrong but it seems to me that be sort of before that point uh there was because of the community was so ideologically driven um and even up you know in that early period uh, where where Mt Gox kind of fell apart there was still a lot of a uh, a sense that um it, it was like we're all going to die on principle kind of thing because Mt Gox blew up and the the outside of the bitcoin community basically started laughing away about um you know haha look at all these libertarians and their stupid system that's not working where are the regulators, but nobody sure. wanted a bailout or asked for it. It was kind of like pride was there that we're, we're doing it by the idea. But shortly after that, uh, it was sort of in that bear market was when the memes around the price started to be developed, right? Like that was the original I'm hodling. That guy made that drunk post on Bitcoin talk or whatever. I'm fairly sure that was in December of 2013, you know as the volatility was was sort of ramping up with with mount gox right so perhaps up until that point things had been there there was a price that had developed, uh, but maybe it was from that point that the price speculation started creeping in and then in two thousand and seventeen uh, the after the block size war basically with the BDC side got the branding and then their price took off, maybe that sort of doubled it up and then in 2020 and 2021 when the price was shooting up that time at that point it was just full full mania on on reddit that it was all about price and you couldn't go on the subreddit you still can't after they've banned everyone that wants to talk about anything else um you know so maybe that was the 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 process of of price speculation taking over
2: well i mean before a certain point it was basically impossible to speculate on the price of bitcoin right early on you could literally get it for free from faucets or get a reasonable amount just by mining and stuff and there was no market for it right laszlo traded ten thousand of them for a single pizza that's when you first start to see some kind of price emerge for this asset so pre like mount gox there couldn't have really been a culture of price speculation because there was no way to speculate on the price And starting, like, after Mt. Gox, beginning with, like, Bitfinex and then some of the other exchanges, you start to see the addition of, like, margin trading and these other more tools of financialization that made it possible, really, for people to speculate on the price of these assets, which didn't exist before.
3: Well, there was price... Yeah, there was a lot of price movement between between the pizza and Gox, right? Like it went it went from zero to thousand dollars, and that's not just from Gox itself. Like I, you know, I was trading before Gox existed on like the uh, GBLSE, whatever that stands for, Global Bitcoin Stock Exchange, or whatever. Um, You know, there 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 were ways to do it. It was you know completely not user friendly. but there was there was ways to do it. Actually, some some like the very first Bitcoin I ever got was from Gavin's faucet. But I don't know if I've ever said this publicly. But the the second Bitcoin purchase I ever made was I I had to go from PayPal to Second Life Liberty Dollars or Lindell Dollars or whatever it was called. I'd never heard of Second Life before, but I had to download and install this game just so I could create a character go into the game and use a virtual ATM to trade my Lindel dollars for Bitcoin. Like that was the first time I ever purchased Bitcoin. And at that price at that time, it was $5, $5 for one BTC. So yeah, there was a whole lot of different ways that people were, were, were trading and deciding what the price was, but it wasn't, it wasn't elegant or at least user friendly until Gox came around. So uh, yeah, there, you know, the, the, as far as the memes and getting rich and all of that, people were talking about it, even from the very beginning. It's like, oh, you know, eventually if if you have one one Bitcoin, that'll be a million dollars. Like people were talking about it. And that was certainly motivation for a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, there was, you know, magic internet money. Like, let's use this, let's buy stuff. Um, and that's what a lot of us did. We bought stuff, right?
1: Well, that's maybe where I think the, the fork in the road sort of happened so to speak was that originally there was definitely a lot of uh that that interest in the in the monetary um side right so like the classic meme of morpheus saying uh, of neo saying oh can i trade my bitcoin for millions and then morpheus says no neo when you're ready you won't have to right and that that was even a very popular thing and i to me that's still one of the best <laughs> bitcoin <laughs> memes ever but uh the the fork was that before before that point, everybody wanted to spend it, like you 're saying, people were going out and because they understood it, the rising value was correlated with increasing adoption right that the only the value of it would come in the future from it having this insanely high you know million dollar valuation would come from the fact that you could just go down the street and buy something with it because that purchase of the pizza was sort of an immaculate conception type of moment (laughs) where suddenly, you know, Bitcoin had a price because you could trade it for something. And so everybody knew that was how it was going to sort of operate. Right. And then I guess as time went on and sort of after the block size, war, that was really the ideological split was the Bitcoin cash community to their great detriment in the short run was sort of maintained that idea on, if i look it 's literally just some you know numbers on a computer it 's well similar to a bank account really it 's not worth anything unless somebody else will give me actual stuff right if i can 't get stuff, this is not money whereas the b d c side uh, you know for for any number of uh reasons but largely probably because it was a convenient narrative for them, sort of just thought, no these are very special numbers you know we 've got our We've got our special ones that have the the brand name attached and all, all of that interest uh, died, you know, all the stuff with Steam accepting it and Microsoft accepting it. And it's kind of weird because we're now getting to a phase of having a sort of like little second renaissance of cryptocurrency <laughs> payments with huge cryptocurrency, uh, you know, or huge like providers like PayPal and I don't know, Venmo, whatever these companies are starting to get on board with it. But there's still actually not that much appetite to actually spend crypto yet uh so it also sort of got lost in translate so now it's been made much easier but it's just starting to come back into the vogue the idea of cryptocurrency you know it needs to be a a spendable thing
4: well there's also I mean, uh, sorry go ahead
2: part of what we're encountering here is the paradox of thrift right if you're trying to make an asset that's designed to appreciate and that exists with like a deflationary supply like these things do. You are disincentivized to spend it at all times because your expectation is in the future, it will have greater value. So spending it now is inherently like a negative economic decision. You need to hope that whatever value you're getting out of that transaction is going to be greater than the potential gains in that asset. Structurally, I worry that that makes it difficult for either BTC or BCH or any of these other currencies to become like a primary unit of account or thing used for purchasing and spending
0: so uh i mean uh i just have to say that the original uh, theory about that uh, that has been brought up like very very early in the bitcoin in the, the bitcoin community about okay so if we expect this thing to overall keep going up in value then nobody would spend it nobody if nobody would spend it then uh, how the heck do you get adoption that has been a really old topic and so the usual answer the usual. Answer to that from people who are pushing for adoption, um, a lot of which uh, are uh, in BCH these days, uh, is that well, uh, you are absolutely correct that uh, it would be we aside from you know just uh, general uh, aside from general community uh, spirit that we want to spend every place and also. Um, uh, and also our, you know, general user experience. Well, the, in that case, we'll have to compete against PayPal and Venmo and so on. Um, aside from those, uh, the holders uh, would generally not want to spend so much, but. On the other hand, um, the theory was that people uh, receiving it would want that a lot. They would want it so much that they would offer discounts to get your coins. And it all balances out um, that uh, you know, they would offer so much discount uh, that people would be incentivized to spend your to spend their coins anyway. Uh, just you why, know, why would just they offer a discount,
2: save- though, assuming there's like a reasonably liquid market where it can be purchased? Economically, it makes more sense for them to take then the one without the discount, the cash, and then just convert it on their own in the liquid well, marketplace.
3: I'll so, speak up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, in on, in, in my store, uh, I offer 50% off uh, any purchase made with Bitcoin Cash. And why is that? Because off ramps and on ramps in Japan are all KYC. There's no ATM. Uh, it's really, really difficult for me to get more. And and I'd love to spend and replace uh, as much as possible, but the replacing aspect of it is really, really difficult for me. Uh, and so I'm willing to take a bit of a loss uh, or at least sell things at cost if that means I can get more BCH uh, easier without having to go through an exchange. Um, and if if you if you want to avoid uh going through the legacy financial system and you happen to have products or services for sale, well then you can trade it for for crypto uh, and of course some people have an abundance and they want to get rid of it uh and so giving them places to spend it is really wonderful um, so there's all different kinds of people out there,
1: yeah, and I think there's also it's sort of this two sided uh, thing sort of like you're saying right where at the moment you can see in the bdc community they've got this meme of oh, i'm stacking sats with this sort of hodl forever type of mentality but what none of them ever bring up or discuss is every time they're stacking sats somebody is selling to them okay it might not be you know somebody else with bitcoin wants to get rid of it uh obviously the price may go up or down you know on any given day but there's no way for them to acquire bitcoin without somebody else uh receiving it and the whole idea that bitcoin would not be spendable from the early days or now it has basically been you know proven wrong because even if there's no um even if there's no uh discount or or incentive like that people in the early days in in bitcoin and now in bch will spend it just because the concept you will spend for a different reason which is that uh, you want to support the network and the idea and drive the adoption, right? So, like, if Laszlo had never bought his pizza, well, then his the rest of his Bitcoin stash would never have gained any value, right? So it was actually economically advantageous to spend a small amount so that the rest of your value kind of goes up. And in fact, we've we've actually seen that in the um, in the stats. There's a bunch of like, if you look at the payment processes and stuff. I don't know if they release them now. As much, but they used to, where like Coinbase and different merchant providers, when a, a Bitcoin bull run starts, more people would go and spend their Bitcoin than before. People actually spend less in the bear market because when the price is going up, it feels like free money because people are used to thinking in or whatever, if they've like, okay, I've got $10 of Bitcoin and then the price doubles to $20, that doesn't make them think, wow, I should hold this until it goes to $40. Actually, it makes them feel like they've got $10 free effectively. And so if they have something that they were considering buying as like a luxury purchase, but they, could, you know, they couldn't really justify it as the price goes up and it feels like I've got more and more value for free, that lowers their preference to buy something that previously they kind of wouldn't bother with, right? Or But they had in mind- for that difference so I, I, there's, there hasn't really ever seemed to be a big problem with the, the idea is getting people the idea of using crypto as a currency more than the mechanics of them actually feeling like oh I should spend it except in the case of BDC now basically
0: um, so I just want to address one thing that uh, Cheap Lightning uh, mentioned just now which is that the ability to the ability to uh get coins and I think Bennett would probably uh will probably cringe at this quite a bit, um, the ability to get coins uh, around regulation is actually a pretty strong motivator in a lot of times. Uh, the problem with that, though, I have to be fair, the problem with that, though, is that the motivation is strong. But we have also observed over the years that a lot of times it is... it is it turns out to be not strong enough, especially for larger and larger businesses and organizations. And the reason, so uh, there is a a lot of push for stable coins and so on, but stable coins come with their own regulation problems. The reason I said that it comes with a, uh, this model comes with problems for businesses and organizations is that they have different a lot of times you know to run a business efficiently you have different risk appetites so if you have this different risk appetites and you receive crypto and the crypto is not as you know quote unquote stable then uh, you it's really hard to run an organization efficiently especially when you get big um and so uh sometimes people will say oh uh, it doesn't matter you just uh, go to a provider like bitpay but then you know you go to bitpay and some sometimes they do that because the bitcoin community uh provides them with additional income um but then they go to bitpay and then they lose a huge chunk of that benefit of going around regulation um so yeah it is in a weird place uh there are companies on bitcoin cash uh and also other places that try to address this. Um and then and then there are sta- stable coins, which is a whole other huge topic. Um but yeah, the situation is quite a bit more complicated than, you know, a simple black and white, oh, we solved this versus you will never solve this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing as well, I want to mention is the idea that like, if you take the premise to its logical conclusion, if you say, well, uh, you know, let's say Bitcoin is going to be in the future more valuable, and you have a very high degree of certainty and confidence in that, then you'll just increasingly put more and more of your money into Bitcoin, right? Of course, people don't, they sort of do that in reality. But let's just say somebody is convinced that it's going to be the world reserve currency, they're going to put more and more of their money into it, right? Provided they don't think there's going to be a huge like crash for any reason. And at a certain point, you've run out of fiat money. Then that's where the rub really starts, which is, okay, I've got all this Bitcoin, but I still need to eat and I still need to pay for my, you know, um, roof above my head, right? And that's the point at which uh, it sort of is demonstrated. Like I have <laughs> I have pretty much done this, right? Not right now, but um, definitely, you know, in In the past, when I was younger, I had like literally all of my money in Bitcoin, right, and I would just uh trade it away or sell off a little bit when I needed to like pay my rent like right now right and so uh a deflationary economic system like this does change people's time preference it makes them prefer you know uh putting off uh consumption but it also doesn't remove you know any desire to spend on anything because you will still need to eat and pay rent uh and even on top of that even if you have all your money in bitcoin and you stop thinking of it as like this special thing that i have my money that i spend and then i have my bitcoin if bitcoin is your money then you still are like oh i still want to go to the theater today well you know i've got to spend bitcoin or i'm not going to do anything so it's really about yeah people who are like there's there's sort of a middle ground there right people expect it to go up in value and if they really really expect that then they put all their money in and then they have to spend it and if they only sort of expect it to go up in value well then they're also more willing to spend it so there's always some reason to do some commerce with it i feel
2: I mean, I think that might be true for someone getting paid in crypto, but that's a minority of people, right? Even a lot of people working in crypto are still being paid in fiat, right? So they're starting with the cash and then converting a portion of it to Bitcoin, whatever. And so they're still going to mostly pay their expenses out of the cash flow that's coming in, not necessarily liquidating any of the assets. If the person's being paid in crypto and needs to pay expenses in fiat, then that dynamic changes but that's a small minority of people
1: yeah and i guess that's the rub that's what we're trying to do is get more people into that uh into that minority right so that's that's kind of like why yeah uh, if you have any great ideas uh we'd love to hear it but uh it's sort of the the community is trying to find closed economic loops that we can create just in bch right so for instance this this podcast that's part of the reason I do it as well. It's it's an example of that. It is you know we take donations uh, and people can pay for early access to the episodes in BCH.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's not it's
0: not theoretical. I mean, there are com- there are companies and organizations right now that you know operates entirely on Bitcoin on Bitcoin Cash and just literally you know nothing else like uh one of which is uh one of which is a non-profit uh quasi-organization uh bitcoin cash node uh its entire budget and treasury quote-unquote treasury uh is in bitcoin cash uh, another one is uh general protocols um it also pays all of its employees in bitcoin cash and operate entirely in bitcoin cash so that you know it's uh, as far as i can tell it is a pretty good experience um because you know you avoid a lot of the complications deal about dealing with fiat uh, especially internationally um and then there, and then uh, you know, quite uh, quite famously for a while, Bitcoin.com pays uh, most of their employees in uh, just straight up Bitcoin Cash, uh, among among others. And I think this is part of the equation that uh, BCH people have been. Ign- well, I mean, we don't really ignore that, but we focus a lot more on the payment part um, that we haven't been uh, paying as much attention about. Uh, which is that uh, you know, we should invest in more enterprises that simply just run on BCH, uh, and you know, even in the Kluge environment of, in, even in the Kluge and you know, full of weird things happening uh, environment of Ethereum ICOs, I would say that they more or less, uh, they more or less had a little bit of. That going. I'm not. I'm not sure how exactly it worked out in the end. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there, and Ethereum is not exactly a good place to do like day to day payments. Um, but you know, um, investing in things that operate on Bitcoin Cash, I think, is a worthy thing uh, that can give the economy a lot of boost um, because you know it pays out in Bitcoin Cash, and that is important.
4: Okay, so I'm going to do a little transition here that I think, uh, I mean, hopefully will be a little spicy. So (laughs) getting paid for products, services, or like labor, whatever it is, in whatever cryptocurrency uh, is great. I will say that spending that crypto seems to be getting more difficult, Um, like even... So one of the payment providers that I used to use for um, bills, it was fantastic. Um, one day I went to go use it and they raised their minimum limit to $1,000. So I sent them many angry emails and was like, come on, guys, what the hell is this? Um, so they they lowered the limit down to 100, but now every transaction requires KYC. And so I'm just not doing that. Um, so that's like, that. that was like, I was at one point living off of Bitcoin Cash, and now that's not an option unless I find, you know, maybe a buddy. Even even then, it's still like, yeah, it's a sketchy situation. But how much of, or I guess what does everyone speculate, uh, is like the, the amount of immunity that Bitcoin Cash might have, uh, say, Tether were to go bust
0: um what kind what which kind of immunity are are you only talking about volatility or else
4: uh mm, volatility and reputation because i don't think bitcoin cash is as connected to tether as uh, the majority of other mainstream coins but i'm also not a trader so i don't know
2: i mean the volume of bch is still primarily against tether um I imagine the price of BCH would not react necessarily great to a massive liquidity (laughs) shock that would happen if, for example, Tether were to suddenly plummet in value. Uh, Whether or not that affects the, I mean, that doesn't affect the protocols except that it can temporarily cause issues around incentivizing miners and the security around that when you've got huge changes in price. Though, Perhaps BCH is better situated for that than Bitcoin because of how it handles difficulty adjustments. Um, But just in general for any crypto asset, I don't imagine the primary liquidity source in the market suddenly disappearing to be a good thing.
4: So uh, at what point in in the years of crypto did uh, Tether become the primary liquidity source?
2: Um, I mean, Tether was growing pretty continuously around, I want to say, middle of 2017 is when they crossed like the halfway point for like trading volume and stuff like that. Um, And more recently, we've started to see other coins and other sources of liquidity start to compete with Tether, Um, especially in like the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem, you've really seen USDC take a major portion of it. And even the DeFi protocols that accept Tether generally do it with like a risk discount where the rates to borrow it are going to be higher. Um, Its use as collateral in certain systems is with a discount or a haircut. Um, And so because of that, it's driven a lot of adoption of other coins. But even still, Tether is the primary driver of liquidity representing like over half the total trading volume. And so, yeah, so 2017 is when I think it crossed that.
1: Basically, we've got to just... Uh, well i mean every crypto can handle it in their own way i don't know the bdc crowd can post all the pictures of samson mao you know shaking hands with <laughs> paolo and sort of feeling like we'll be fine if it all blows up because we're best buds but uh i think you know in the bch ecosystem we obviously as much as possible we need to be building a, a yeah a, a peer-to-peer economy it's really that simple um because then the more closed loops and the more things there are going on in there, obviously the less you care if there are problems on the fiat side or sort of by extension tether, which is a similar uh, kind of uh, situation. And those problems are probably going to be on, on the rise for all number of um, reasons. So I, I mean, I, I wonder like, if if it did all blow up or when it blows up, I mean it's really just a question of when. Um, what we're going to find out about the current crypto markets? Like when Mt. Gox blew up, it was it was bad, and that was what like something like seventy percent or seventy five percent of all the trading volume at the time. And the, I mean the market went from whatever it was twelve hundred dollars down to about four hundred dollars. But overall, I think it wasn't it wasn't actually sort of as bad as everybody expected at the time. There was a bit of a sense of like, oh no, this is it, this is the apocalypse. But I, I don't even think there was altogether that much complaining from my recollection. It was there was a couple of months of ever some people being like, Oh, I got scammed, or what's the updates on Mount Gox? But at least at that time, there was enough sense in the community like not your keys not your coins if you had your coins on mount cox and they're gone sucks learn a lesson uh (laughs) no cheap landing i know lost some coins to that so maybe had some thoughts but
3: uh yes (laughs) uh sure certainly um yeah i don't know i think a lot of us uh, myself and my friends included uh we we basically thought like okay well if if bitcoin can survive this we'll be okay um because that run up to $1200 was was insane it was just absolutely insane uh it was not far between my first you know $5 bitcoin t- to my $1200 bitcoin like it was a really really short period of time <clears throat> and so you know crashing crashing to $400 was still like yeah, okay you know like yeah, all right yeah, that's reasonable. that's uh, it's yeah, it's not you know it's not death, uh, but but you know we 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 really thought like uh, yeah, if it, if it can survive this, it can survive anything. But I think more more important to the to Jet's original question, and and I agree with Bennett in that there's a big difference between BTC and BCH as far as what would happen. To to Black Monday in in the crypto space of Tether going poof, right? So let's just assume Tether goes poof, like whatever whatever that is, poof, Tether's dead. Um, well, yeah, let's now <laughs> all all of the people that had Tethers are are, are now you know panicking and and uh, you know there's going to be just chaos in the markets, and if if BTC's price goes down below. Whatever threshold, they have a real, de- uh, real danger of of entering a death spiral, which which BCH is far better uh, suited to handle. Um, if it, and also I think just ideology, uh, you know, like again, touching back to the original point, this whole price thing, right? BTC people are in it for the price, like, oh yeah, I'm going to sell my BTC for fiat down the road. Well, if you take that away. <laughs> You know, maxis, what are they going to do? You know, they're, what are they literally what are they going to do? They're going to have a whole bunch of coins that that nobody wants. Um, and I think for sure, BCH people like a lot of us who who are in it for the price, they will also have these feelings and they'll fade away and that's fine. But for for people um, uh, who are here because we want to make new money for the world. Yeah, it will suck. But we're not going to give up. We're going to keep fighting to to make this new money. Um, and, you know, it is a marathon. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we would be okay in the long run. I'm not sure BTC would be because if they get in that death spiral, the miners aren't going to come back. Um, you know, if it's, you know, seven weeks until the difficulty adjustment, like, are they going to come back? I don't know.
1: Well, um, I mean, yeah,
0: go on uh so the uh so the whole btc versus bch uh thing aside uh in terms of tether i just want to say this as a uh, long term you know because the bch community has uh, had a lot of common with no coiners in that we are we're basically memeing about tether's device e- device like every single freaking day <laughs> and uh so uh, one thing about Tether is that the flip side of, well, it could collapse any day now. Uh, it could collapse tomorrow is that it could not collapse tomorrow and it could not, co- it could keep on not collapsing for a really, really long freaking time. Um, just as we have seen in the past couple, you know, really brutal bear markets and, you know, we've been speculating, okay, maybe all its reserve is actually in coins because they print money to buy coins, right? So if the coins uh, go down and everyone wants to withdraw tethers, then they're You know, they're fucked. Um, Well, and then Tether survived that. Holy crap. And then, uh, you know, and then we get to where we are now, and then we find out at least in terms of what they tell uh, the courts, uh, well, uh, most of our reserves are actually in this sketchy commercial papers that we cannot tell you about. Uh, Maybe it's Evergrande. We don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, some people speculate that it's Evergrande. Um, So, yeah, uh, it could, it can collapse tomorrow. It can also not do that for another 10, 20, 30 years. Um, So I think it is, uh, in a sense, it is not wise to base strategies, whether on it surviving forever, or base your entire uh, bed and strategy on okay, we, I, we I'm just gonna sit back and wait for Tether Tether to collapse, and then after the collapse, we will rebuild from the ashes and we'll beat the shit out of whatever coin we to beat. Um, that is that, that that is that is not terrible. I would say that is not terribly healthy. Um, the way to go is that you know. Acknowledge that it exists. It exists. It is a major force in the markets. But you will want to build a parallel system that is as independent from it as possible, um, so that you know uh, if it collapses, you survive um, and come out better for it. If it doesn't collapse, you end up building a healthier system anyway.
4: So knowing all this about, um tether can we make a prediction as to how much of the market is uh well this might be a little philosophical just as a question but imaginary money like uh how much of it is uh money printer go burr but not even like us dollar money printer go burr just someone's like excel spreadsheet go burr can we like put a percentage on that like 70 percent
0: more oh I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to say 0%. And the reason I say that is because those guys are not idiots. Uh, (laughs) And uh, they will want to keep the party going. And uh, I actually don't quite believe that it would collapse uncontrollably. There 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 are always more you know uh, assuming uh, assuming they are you know really long running scams there is always the next idiot to scam and uh the chances are um way before it's designed designed to uh way before it's destined to actually go bust it would have moved on to the next thing maybe that's maybe it's possible that that's even u s d c um we shall see, but, uh, I would say that a total uncontrollable collapse, uh, after being through so much, I would say that I'm, uh, seeing that happen less and less. Yeah.
2: I get asked questions like this a lot, just cause I talk about Tether a lot and I don't have a, uh, percentage I put on it and I don't necessarily know that it's easy to come up with one. Um. And I think a lot of the analysis that has been attempted, like uh, Griffin and Shams's Bitcoin and Tether, suffers from some flaws that failed to capture any dynamics that actually exist in these markets. Um, you can tell though, that like among the Bitfinex and Tether executives, there is a fear that them losing the ability to provide liquidity to the market would have some kind of effect on the price. Uh, we can see this in the summer to October of 2018, when Juan Carlo de Vecini is frantically messaging Oz Yosef of Crypto Capital Core, right, and trying to get funds out so that Bitfinex can service their customer withdrawals. And he specifically warns us that if they fail to get the withdrawals out of Crypto Capital Core, Bitcoin could crash to, I think he says, to 1k at that point. And this is like summer of 2018. So would be at that point, like a 85% drop, I think. And so whether or not, like the value that has accrued is due outright to manipulation, is unclear to me. However, it does seem that there's acknowledgement even among those providing that liquidity that the loss of it would likely have a dramatic effect on the price.
4: So, what do you think is a mentally well, uh, like healthy approach to looking at this? Because I'm like, like I don't want to participate in any more scams it's part of why i'm in crypto like i want out of this uh this shit i
2: i don't know that i have a mentally well way to handle (laughs) tether and bitfinex i don't think the body of my work suggests that i've got a healthy framework around those two companies Uh, i think you should ask someone else that question
0: i mean the uh general uh, the. uh, general uh, way things go is that if you want to really use stable really good assets you should buy farmland and and then buy firearms right <laughs> um oh so yeah understand.
2: This is the thing I joke about on Twitter a lot, that a lot of the people you hear warning, like especially among like the Bitcoin maxi crowd about imminent hyperinflation and societal collapse. The entire global financial system like ceasing to exist in the next 12 months. And these are the things you see if you like search the Bitcoin hashtag on Twitter and stuff is if you literally believe that, you should be doing what Im is saying. You should be buying a parcel of land and you should be loading up on guns, ammunition, and non-perishables. Because in the event of total societal collapse, the first thing you need to ensure is your continued survival.
1: Yeah, we've definitely talked about that on this show a little bit. Like, the, And undoubtedly, I mean, the funniest thing about this is that, like you're saying, you see those posts and... Some of them, you know, uh, just, you know, off the wall, but some of those people probably are in that category, right? There's a non-trivial percentage of people that, you know, you can like poke them, but they are like, oh, well, yeah, but what do you mean? I've got my AK, I've got my beans, I've got like, I'm set up. And then obviously a a chunk of them don't though, right? A A a big chunk of them.
2: A lot of them, you see the post about the increasing money supply right next to the post about their excitement about the Bitcoin futures ETF being approved. And so you put those two next to each other and you go, it really seems like you're not thinking all the things you say you're thinking
1: yeah absolutely yeah no i'm 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 sure that's like i'm, I'm these preppers are a minority right I've, I've i'm not saying they're they're common but that that's just the classic of the internet right is it's very hard to separate uh the fact from the fiction in in people's individual narratives and i guess my approach is well personally i'm just not at a point in my life where i can buy up a farm and get some i don't know fresh water supplies and everything but i i do like yeah. that idea if just because it sounds cool if you have <laughs>
0: ammunition you can get food and water yeah
1: <laughs> i suppose so depends Quite, where you are in the world yeah
4: quick little tangent has anyone ever seen i think it's called Bird Demic. it's a really shitty movie Okay, well, quick little little recap of why I'm giggling. There's a scene in that movie where uh they have to like pull over to the side of the road cuz their van's out of gas. They walk for a couple miles. They see another vehicle. The dude is armed and he points the gun at the guy and he's like, "You're going to sell me some gas." <laughs> Just fucking take <laughs> like you have a gun. <laughs> anyway, sorry for that. <sighs>
0: But yeah, uh, obviously, you know, you will run into a lot of trouble if the guy, the other guy, uh, your neighbor also has, you know, firearms, and it's generally a wrong thing to do anyway. So yeah, don't do what I said. Uh, That's a joke.
4: Is it considered aggressing if the land is owned by the crown?
0: It, well, depends on your personal views, I guess
4: monarchy is an illegitimate institution well as a canadian i don't understand why like why the fuck do we have a queen
0: by tradition
1: anyway
4: yeah
1: (laughs) uh history basically right
4: (laughs) so how much of the crypto market needs uh new money daily well no i guess that's a dumb question how much new money daily does the crypto market need and if we want to be specific with coins that's fair but to stay at the current price because it's still inflationary at the moment, right? So there should be a percentage.
1: Well, you can look at the... In terms
2: of the security budget? Like in the fact that there's new issuance for these coins coming out and presumably miners and stakers, validators, whatever, are having to pay costs in fiat? Yes. I mean, it's a difficult question to model because it depends on like how much profit the miners are making, right? And what their propensity to hold that is, right? Because they're gonna need to probably liquidate at least enough to pay their costs. And so the gap there that exists is how much of a gap is there between just the outright costs of the miners and the amount they're making in new issuance. Um, You can model it that over a long enough time period, the cost to secure the network approaches asymptotically the amount of new issuance plus fees but at any given point there's likely to be a significant portion of the total miners who are mining below that cost because that's what they that's what they want to be doing and so then you have to try to determine what percentage of their profit are those people incentivized to keep in that asset versus liquidate for fiat and so i don't necessarily think there's a single great answer to that
1: it's a lot of money though that's that's definitely for sure it is a lot of money and uh yeah it's hard to know how much of this uh yeah current market that we have is 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 fake or not i mean i i sort of wonder actually about the opposite scenario right which is we've talked about if tether blows up and there's sort of a black monday scenario and everything's a nightmare but recently i had this uh, train of thinking, which was spurred on by something I saw, Mark Lamb, the CEO of CoinFlex, he talked in an interview and I didn't uh, follow this up with the sources of what he was saying, but he said that the federal reserve put out some notes or some guidance or, you know, some commentary somewhere where they talked about sort of doing something or intervening somewhere in the commercial paper markets. And they didn't specifically say it was because of tether, but the, the point was that maybe tether, which is, perhaps a semi-existential threat to the crypto ecosystem has is getting to the point where it could be an existential threat to the fiat system and so like the fed you know wants to keep that going so if it blew up maybe that would be or if it didn't blow up if it uh, survives long enough that it will become such a big problem for the fiat system that the crypto system sort of wins like by default uh which I guess is a happy scenario for me. But uh, I I don't know if there's any thoughts on that uh, outcome. I mean, that's
2: why the president's working group was convened on stablecoins, right, to assess whether or not stablecoins needed to be designated as a potential financial risk. And they have not yet done that. um, And it's not clear that they're going to. And I think especially in light of the fact that we've, now basically gotten confirmation from Tether executives that the commercial paper they hold is not from U.S. corporations and is primarily international commercial paper. My guess is that contributed to the fact that the President's Working Group chose not to classify it that way. Um, Cass and I have talked about this a little bit, and because of how large Tether is, if there was some type of major impropriety and they were actually holding the amount of commercial paper they claim and it was primarily in US commercial paper it could represent like a major liquidity concern for any of those companies trying to roll their paper or anything like that. If Tether was suddenly no longer able to be the counterparty for that, but the reporting around it seems to suggest that Tether's not active in those type of markets where it could potentially represent a risk. So at this point, I think that the president's working group and the fed and stuff are making the correct decision in assessing that Tether and the other stable coins are not currently a risk to the financial system. Um, yeah, they may represent more localized risk to like whatever markets Tether is getting their commercial paper in somewhere in China, probably. Uh, but likely not to the U.S. financial system, except insofar as it's intertwined with whatever sector of the Chinese economy Tether's getting their commercial paper from.
4: Could I have a quick explain like I'm 5 on what the hell commercial paper is?
2: Uh, it's generally short term uh, debt. It exists both in secured and unsecured forms in the United States. The secured form is more common. It, be like a Apple getting a short term loan that they use to pay payroll and things like that. It's generally considered pretty safe and close to cash because businesses are using it to pay their regular operating expenses. And so it's one of the last things they'll default on because it's used to pay things like payroll. And so uh, it's treated as like a cash equivalent in a lot of things, especially if it's a 90 day dated or less. One of the strange dynamics with Tether's commercial papers, they have a lot that seems to sit in the category of 90 to 270 days which is a bit of a longer term duration for something like commercial paper and it's also unclear for tether and specific how much of the commercial paper is secured so with like cash in a bank account securing the credit and how much is unsecured just uh, the cash being extended to the company without any assets to necessarily secure the line
1: it's got to, it's got to it's got to become a problem at some point though right if 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 like we were talking about before if it, if this goes on for another 10 years under a sort of exponential growth model that we have seen in fits and starts. But once it gets rolling, it gets rolling, right? So if if that happens for 10 years or 20 years, at a certain point, does Tether become too big to fail? And what what happens then? Is it the Trojan horse that <laughs> blows up the whole thing?
2: Well, I mean, I think that's why we saw the president's working group write it up as a potential financial risk, like in the report on stablecoins. coins, right? They still remember the... Uh prime money market fund breaking the buck in uh, 2007 right when Lehman couldn't roll their commercial paper and so and then at that point too, the federal government had to intervene to make sure that this cash like asset didn't break its peg didn't lose its ability to represent a dollar because they were worried about the effect withdrawing that liquidity would have on the market more broadly. This also becomes increasingly important as stablecoins become more integrated into what I'm going to, not derisively, though it may sound that way, coin the real economy. Like, uh, primarily now, stablecoins are used for speculation lending and other things, focused primarily in the crypto ecosystem. They're used to get a cash-like asset that can be used to speculate on cryptocurrencies, to buy cryptocurrencies, and to move out of cryptocurrencies. And its connection to the rest of the world economy more broadly is somewhat limited. However, we see an increasing push from a lot of payment processors and other companies to treat stablecoins as a tool to handle payments and other Things like that. So the more broadly used stable coins are, the more important it becomes to the users of those stable coins that this cash-like asset stays at a dollar. Um, Just because that is an expectation people have. And when that expectation is subverted, we see like with the Prime Money Market Fund, the effects can be disastrous. And so... I think the reason that we see the president's working group pushing for stablecoins to only be issued by these FDIC insured OCC chartered banks is so that they can basically provide a public guarantee of the money that is stablecoins.
1: Any thoughts, Cheap Lightning? Haven't I haven't heard from you in a while. Any any thoughts on all this?
3: <laughs> uh well, I don't know. It's all it's all it's all a clown show, right? So you you participate in in the fiat economy you know, it's not real anyway. Uh, I mean, it's as real as as money is. Like as long as we accept it, and and uh, you know, tether is is to some degree the same as far as like too big to fail. You know, it could it could be uh, you know the new digital dollar, right? It's pegged. It's you know, it is the digital dollar basically, right? It is the most popular digital dollar that exists right now, uh, whether or not it's backed or not. I see Bennett looking to the to the sky here, but I mean like.
2: Uh, well, I mean the euro dollar is bigger. That's a digital dollar.
3: How much access do common people have to it, though? Like, could could you use the the euro dollar to buy stuff? Like, there are shops all over the world online that will accept tethers, right?
2: But even then, if we're just talking about like digitized representations of cash, I think PayPal's probably got uh, more than Tether, right? Um, and this is part of like the thing you see in the dynamics with the way uh, money transmitters are treated in the United States is that basically uh, Venmo, Cash, Square, all these things are doing a very kind of similar thing in many respects to what Tether's doing, is they're creating these digitized representations of a dollar uh, governed primarily not by banking laws or anything like that, but by the state level portman state level mishmash of money transmitter laws many of which allowed them to hold a variety of different assets right that's why you see paypal and all these having a bunch of commercial paper and stuff on their books to back their deposits and that's why i think you see certain legislative pushes in the united states like uh, the stable act which very specifically treat those digital dollars the same as stable coins and expect them to reach basically the same standard that the president's working group is pushing for, for stable coins.
1: But there's, there's more. So there's one, uh, another sort of similar theory to what I was saying about it becoming too big to fail that I've seen is some people have the approach that, well, what what will happen is Tether will get a little bit bigger. And because the government hasn't really gone hard on shutting it down just yet, by the time they start to get worried about it, what they'll do is just take it over, right? They'll they'll have enough troubles running their own, you know, central bank digital currency that instead of launching, ah, uh, ta-da, here it is, here's the US government's cryptocurrency, instead they'll just sort of find a way to get involved in Tether and say, all right, well, this is ours now, and then uh, kind of keep running it from there and sort of manage some sort of a weird transition that way, is is that likely? Does that save the day? Or, I mean, the massive problem <laughs> I can see there well, it probably doesn't save the day, I don't know. But uh, the problem I can already see there is that even though Tether is the biggest stable coin now, it has sort of increasing competition, right? So if the US government can come in and grab up tether and say okay where the tether but they can't grab up all the stable coins or the sort of algorithmic stable coins or different things that are being developed they can't get involved in all of it so by doing that they have sort of given away where in charge of the dollar to some extent and the market can just vote against them by switching over to those other things if it felt like it so
2: i think there's a couple things at play here um First, I think it's extraordinarily unlikely that the U.S. government co-ops Tether in that kind of manner. However, I think it's also increasingly unlikely that, uni- that the United States in the next several years issues their own central bank digital currency. And I think the recent OCC guidance surrounding banks uh, issuing stablecoins holding crypto assets, and then the recent President's Working Group report that covered much of the same ground, seems to suggest that the federal government is basically trying to shift the build out of that infrastructure and that kind of stuff onto these uh, stablecoin issuers. And then the expectation becomes that these stable coin issuers become these uh, OCC chartered banks with FDIC insurance. So that the government can basically backstop their value as money and use their infrastructure, this built out infrastructure for whatever benefits it may provide intrabank in terms of payments or anything like that, without them actually having to build up their own uh, CBDC infrastructure. So I think you're getting at something that's very likely to happen: the federal government creating a path to co-opt a lot of stablecoin issuers. However, I think the way they're going about it, forcing them to go through the OCC chartering, force them to get FDIC insurance, makes it very unlikely that Tether is going to be the one one of the ones to survive that process. So and i think this i think even the tether executives have a little bit of fear about this and that's why you see paulo and stuff right now is so actively trying to push tether gold and you saw juan carlo doing this before he nuked his account starting to really try to push <laughs> tether gold is because they recognize that in the future i think it may become difficult for them to continue to op- operate their uh, tokenized dollar derivative and so i think they as well are trying to prepare for that and I think Circle and Paxos anticipated this coming too. And like, that's why Paxos got their conditional OCC charter for their trust company. And why Circle has been trying to get an OCC bank charter, right? It's because they recognize that this was the direction the federal government was likely to go. Tether is would struggle much more <laughs> to begin and finish that process, I expect.
1: Well, that, that could really shake things up if under this model, the, the US government... gets involved to the extent that it can sort of start favoring (laughs) some of them and sort of the maybe not explicitly kind of like you said but one way or another it starts to get in and just kind of like usdc or paxos or whatever one of these other ones sort of starts to get the nod it's like this is going to be the one and everybody starts to get the sense of maybe then there's a run on tether as the whole market is like oh shit
2: yeah. Well, there's a couple of things there. I think in the bill we saw come down from the Treasury, unofficially from the Treasury, but everyone knows it's from the Treasury, the uh, Digital Asset and Market Structure Protection Act. That's not quite right. It's something like that. That came down from the Treasury and was in committee in the House, basically only allowed for stable coins that were approved by the U.S. Treasury, Right. And then in the president's working group report and in Gary Gensler's comments, we see them trying to make it clear that many other stablecoins, especially those that purchase securities, may themselves be regulated as securities. And so you can see basically them laying the groundwork to create a path for approval for some subset of these issuers and then having the ability to use securities law as like this cudgel to take to deal with. The unapproved stable coins, and so I anticipate that is the blueprint for what the feds are planning on doing with stable coins
0: yeah, so I just want to chime in a little bit about the prospects of you know uh, the u s government taking all, taking all the stable coins under regu- under regulation and basically using them as uh, CBD CBDCs is that uh, a large part, so you're correct that Tether would probably not quote unquote survive that process. Um, but on the other hand, a large part of Tether's appeal to people is actually the fact that it is in, you know, um, uh, we should probably not call it a black market because it does have, you know, um, some of the it's not entirely living in the dark so as to say it still attends to court cases and so on. Um, so it lives entirely in the gray market and dips a bit into the you know the very dark side of things so that actually is an appeal to a lot of uh to a lot of the actors in the space you know exchanges and you know um Chinese tycoons Um, we don't have and we'll probably never know how many of them there are and uh, so the thing about all those other stablecoins getting U.S. stamp of approval is that they would have to get banking licenses um, or the equivalent of that and uh, with those uh, comes with a bunch of requirements that are generally expected of banks. Um, They would have to have the power to, they would have have to figure out ways to follow sanctions, to follow sanctions, for example, uh, among other things. So um, I don't know how much of a blow that would be to Tether. I guess we will need to see how the, how everything goes uh in terms of those stable coins like if they indeed get those requirement require licenses but they continue to operate in how they operate today which is like you know it's pretty (laughs) free for all people take it and people take those uh, usdcs and they participate in DeFi schemes like uh, realistically how many how many of them pay any taxes on any of those trades like (laughs) <laughs> give me a break right uh, so 100%. Uh, yeah 100% oh <laughs> um, so yeah I think uh, it will be interest. it will be interesting to, it, it will probably not be good for tether but it will be interesting to see to see how much damage it actually does
2: so one thing I do want to add though is that Basically, all the stablecoins on the market at this point already have the ability to like freeze their tokens and stop them from moving on the blockchains. And Tether is actually the company who does this the most. So if you like, look at the number of blacklisted addresses and the number of like blacklisted and quarantined Tethers, they far outseed the other stablecoins. And anytime you see a new address added to like the OFAC list, Tether's pretty quick to add it to their own blacklist and stuff. So Tether is already doing some of that and tether has a long history of freezing these tethers when they're out in the wild. And so I think the, there is, and I hear this narrative a lot, this idea that tether is in demand because it represents because the users of tether believe that they are less likely to succumb to us governmental pressure. And that, because of that, it holds some extra amount of censorship resistance from the us government. And I'm not sure that the evidence we have so far suggests that's true.
0: Yeah so that that's a very fair point uh, although i would say that the pressure that all stablecoins have experienced so far is probably just a minor fraction of what is to come so <laughs> yeah uh, we we have yet to see how ev- how everything plays out
4: just real quick we got a, a couple questions from the chat so there's two of them one i think is um Kind of easy to answer unless I'm misunderstanding the question. So the first question is, implying non-Tether connections to Bitcoin Cash, is the Bitcoin Cash price the real foundational rate for normal demand? Like some have said, for Bitcoin Cash being Bitcoin's time machine, being three hops behind the cycle, and that perhaps it's a good representation of the core value. Does anyone want to take that?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take that. And I actually think... Uh that's sort of partly my running theory. I mean, I'm sure there is some like funny money tether or whatever going in, but if you look at the BCH price and the thing that every troll under the sun will bring up, it did go sort of it launched in the shadow of the first ever major fork. It had that huge run-up when it got launched on Coinbase because everyone's like, Is this it? Oh, we we are Bitcoin. And it got up to like four thousand dollars and then it crashed down to literally eighty dollars which was probably closer to at the time, you know, the real sort of demand. And at that point, if you haven't sold out, you're not selling. If you have, still have your BCH and you've watched it go from $4,000 to $80, you, you're, you're in it for the idea, right? And so since then, it's kind of risen back up a bit. And uh, for a long time, it's been this sort of $300 to $600 range. Now, if you look at the price now in this $300 to $600 range, it's roughly the price that uh, BCH was in in that 2014 to 2015 kind of window post uh, Mt. Gox. And very interestingly, the on-chain activity is actually quite similar in terms of the number of daily uh, addresses used is about, um, it's like 60 or 70K per day, which is about uh, what it was in that sort of 2013, 2014 era of BTC. So I I actually have a, a bit of a sense that yeah maybe it is roughly it's it's kind of different now because the awareness of cryptocurrency is much larger and i think the bch community now is bigger than the bdc community was at that time but i think for the roughly the sort of i i i feel a fair degree of confidence that bc like if tether all melted down and there was a big crisis or whatever i think bch might drop to you know, from $600 now, maybe to 300 or or something like that, right? Or, Or 200, right? I don't think it would go sub 100. And I think there would be a, it would pretty quickly hit a sort of a solid floor of what is the real economic value, I think.
0: Uh, so I kind of want. Uh, so this is an in, this is an interesting topic about you know what is the real quote unquote real demand level and uh, you know at that quote unquote real demand level what should the price be and what should uh, the relative uh, fall of each coin uh, be uh, if we ever we are to ever fall back to that level. So um, one thing that was that became increasingly clear to me is that there is there hasn't been such thing as a price that you so if you narrowly define you know a real demand as what people as people's heart needs to store you know a certain class of asset in order to buy potatoes or cars or whatever if you define it that way um there hasn't been any thing that is really priced in quote-unquote real demand for a long long time like maybe like really liquid assets like corn or something i don't know <laughs> but um in terms of durable as in terms of durable assets you know even how even houses land gold some some would argue that we haven't had that since 1971 <laughs> but uh, um I would say that the price of anything the price of anything that is you know uh du- that is durable i don't i don't i don't try to observe that much about uh uh you know uh consume goods so i wouldn't comment on that but the price of any such durable goods that can be classified as assets are all a fact are all affected by, you know, the amount of leverage people have on it. And uh, the, you know, in a lot, in some classes like uh, commercial bonds, uh, the amount of quantitative easing that uh, the government chooses to inject into that market and so on and so forth. So when people argue about how, uh, when people argue about like, okay, like what is the real level? I would say that, okay, you, you you will never have a real price ever. That is not happening ever again. <laughs> what you can, what you can um, investigate though, is um, how leveraged your particular assets uh, asset is, and uh, how you know um, how much of the uh, how much of the demand, which is you know financialized anyway, uh, is going to go away uh, the moment anything remotely bad happens. So, you know, if you look at some some of the coins, say, uh, Shiba, uh, then you could say that, okay, that is probably pretty fragile. It's, pr- uh, it's likely pretty leverage up and a lot of the uh, market is liquid, so it will go away. Um, but uh, in the case of Bitcoin Cash, though, I would like to make a case for it in that uh, one advantage that we have is that we have a lot of anti-hype. <laughs> there's um <laughs> people are probably people are probably a lot more enthusiastic about shorting bitcoin cash in general than buying it I, I i don't like i don't like to bash you know the one coin that i like uh like this but that is how that is uh that is a sentiment so you know there's uh not much there's uh not much lower for it to go <laughs> how much uh, a
2: strange definition of good thing
1: yeah. i know right <laughs> Or how do we market
3: anti hype? Okay, still let's, at let's the bottom. Marketing campaign. Love it, guys. Love it. Anti hype. Let's go. Anti hype. <laughs>
0: <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> it's well, well. I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like the early days sure. of the, the, you know, like before it all blows up. It's like the yeah. GameStop people, like right, like uh, it's it's uh, the sh- the shorts are the shorts are shorting more than the entire float on the market. How they they can't they can't keep doing this, right?
1: <laughs> so yeah. But I like that. I, I, I think that's, that is the great strength of, of this community, you know, I think. And that's, that's why I have faith in it, in a, in a long sort of view of things, is that it, it just comes down to the fact that at the end of the day, this is the only crypto community that is, is truly there for the idea and does not give a single, like, fuck. Like, act, act, actually, you know, I mean, maybe the Monero community, Otherwise, every other thing is built on just the community vibe of price speculation or yeah, we're all gonna get rich or, or whatever. And it does it like five people uh that well, we've got five on this call, so that's kind of a weird number to use, but like let's say there's a hundred <laughs> people in the world that like BCH. And we'll keep it alive as long as you have a couple people running miners and a couple people probably running nodes. Probably a lot nodes. more than
0: 100 people. But yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. That's my <laughs> point. It's the real number that matters uh, for a crypto community is how many people are like all in ride or die, basically, right? So in BCH, I think that number is probably up there in terms of the coins that there are available if you took out everybody who would flake out for one reason or another and just was left with people who will do anything for the coin bch would be one of the highest despite being one of the smaller ones in in total numbers right because the flake percentage is basically a lot lower so i think that's where a huge crisis or or whatever uh that that would be that that would be the time at which bch would would shine and then you know hopefully accelerate forward ahead of the pack at that at that point uh but or, that's just my theory
0: or if you translate it to my language uh, you know it, 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 it may it may be the one that collapses the least yes exactly
2: <laughs> you guys are great marketers i just have to say oh, yes anti no, yes. <laughs> might Andy collapse the least just brilliant
3: really <laughs> <all of> you. <laughs> I'm gonna buy some more Uh-oh. right now.
4: <laughs> All right, so well, that might be a good transition, Jeremy. You mentioned that <laughs> you've got. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you've got the most faith in the community, right? So let's talk about the cults of crypto for a moment.
3: I was gonna say, starting to sound a bit culty here.
1: I I like that though. That's, let's <laughs> let's be real here. You know, that's that's the funniest thing about this entire this entire thing, right from the early days, right? Right from the very first publication of the, the Bitcoin white paper is that uh, Bitcoin was in the minority, right? And it it started, with, the whole thing started with one person in the entire world. Well, okay, okay, maybe you could say Satoshi was a group, right? But personally, I don't think that's the case. So <laughs> let's, say, let's just say Literally Satoshi was CIA. the... Yeah, let's yeah. just say that Satoshi was was one person, right? So it started with one person in the world thinking this is an idea that can work and you know seven billion people thinking no it can't, right? And then, you know, uh Hal Finney jumps in and like a few more people get get involved, right? But it's always been in the minority. And so the there is almost sort of a religious aspect to to Bitcoin and crypto cryptocurrency generally, but specifically Bitcoin and in this case probably still bbc and bch they both have this element in the community which is we just we just don't care like i don't care how many people think we're wrong we think we're right and you obviously it turns into a bit of an echo chamber but that's actually that's actually a a sort of a strength of the community because you cannot grow something that is in the minority if those minority of people will will listen to the majority right so it takes almost a bit of Delusion and a bit of self-reassuring, uh, which, in my you know uh, opinion, has gone a bit off track in in BDC and is still probably there in in BCH. That's still probably okay-ish, but the reality is whether it's logical or reasonable, or even if the majority are right, the reason that the community can sustain itself is that it is so um, so fanatical, basically about the the core ideology or the dream that cryptocurrency will one day be used by everybody in the world. And if it succeeds and that's what happens, it will only be because there were those people who just, who just wouldn't, wouldn't quit ever. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's just a standoff, right? At some, at some people, or at some point over time, more and more people have budged on the, I don't like crypto side, right? The I like crypto side has been growing, tether or whatever aside you know more and more people are starting to become convinced it becomes easier and easier at an exponential rate to sort of join in the belief that this is a transition that society is going to make but it only comes from that like hardcore um and unfortunately in the bdc case they now use that to justify just being an asshole to everyone um so that's where they've got on the wrong track but the core premise of you know we're just like almost delusionally we'll just shut out what everyone else in society thinks is, is essential to the whole, the whole principle basically.
4: So, so I'm autistic and I, I'm going to use that as my excuse here, but uh, it sounds to me like you're saying that the community with the uh, most, the, the disproportionately largest amount of persistent autistic people will survive. <laughs>
3: Well,
1: it's just um, a yeah. Go on. Go where, on. That, that, that's that's not
0: that's not even though that has played it has played out that way several times in history. It does. It is not necessarily the case here. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I also I also want to uh, go for a flip side. Uh, in, in term in terms of this, which is that there is actually a pretty big. Uh, rational case like uh, we have you know uh, jeremy just have just uh, talked about that okay it's like uh, having people who are true believers having a lot of them is important in each crypto community, and we have no shortage of that. Um, but on the other hand, um, I would say that there is also uh, some re- pretty fine, I would say, uh, non-speculative, uh, non-speculative, and non—you know—belief-based reasons to hold a lot of crypto, and even you know, majority crypto. And so, you know, in my case, because you know, uh, uh, if because i think uh, bch has a good has good fundamentals i hold most of my assets you know in stark contrast to uh to me many years ago uh in bch um so the rational case for that is that as i got deeper uh into um helping people run businesses and projects like Gradually, actually, realize that it's actually not just about paying for Steam games and you know uh, buying. Oh, uh, it has no chargeback risk uh, when buying. I don't know, like gift cards or whatever on the internet, or buying drugs. Um, the fiat system is actually pretty broken once you once you widen the scope your scope to the international and uh it is a lot of it is very burdensome to move money around it is very burdensome to organize uh based on fiat uh organize any sort of activity non-profit or business um it is well pe- there are ways to pay people in small amounts um but in general, you know, the uh, more you try to do with it, the more of a pain in the ass it is. Uh, And if you hold a lot of fiat, the reality is that the moment you try to do something with your fiat, um, if you are not, if you have, uh, you know, international needs or, you know, things that just have a lot of, uh, I should I would say a regulatory burden. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a bad time, and operating in crypto allows it. It gives you some trouble because you will have on and off run trouble. But on the other hand, you know it is op, it is also a pretty liberating experience. You want it, and at the core of it, you want to pay someone. You just click, you sign, and then you pay. Uh, and that's it. So it is also a pretty liberating thing to have your asset that's able to do that. So yeah, there are pretty rational cases for holding a large, you know, a large amount of your money in crypto.
4: Not to backtrack too much, but we had a comment here um, from Emergent Reasons. Thanks for watching. He says, uh, Bennett had a big response to Jeremy's description of the intolerant minority. I'd like to hear what Jeremy thinks about it.
2: I just to add some context to my reaction. I just thought it was funny that the marketing we uh, were the most shorted, least hyped, most cult-like coin. That's not <laughs> the complete marketing pitch. That's been on.
3: Let's run with it. it. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: I, I, I would just, I would just have to chime in. It's not how we market ourselves. It's <laughs> just that we. It's just that BCH people are generally pretty pretty self-aware so you know uh, we, we we like we like to uh, make fun of ourselves so yeah.
1: but but maybe we should that this is my exact point right and a little while ago uh like i don't know a couple weeks ago i i made this video which was of the um of the spartans right i made this uh video with the uh, modified clips from the movie 300 and that's that's because while we do suffer at the moment from the uh, we're lacking in the sort of the hype and the fever and whatever that a lot of other coins do and which is why we've sort of slowly been dropping down the rankings but uh, you know where you might some people sort of identify that as a problem and it would be nice to get some more sort of positive spirit and momentum and whatever into the into the into the ecosystem the i that's what to me that's what i've sort of identified as as special about this community and why i can have so much faith in it and i think it's really just about giving the broadest group of people possible that same mentality of like all or nothing right and even if we you know the bch community is the mo- you know the most hated the most trolled the most criticized uh within cryptocurrency circles the most censored right like everything possible that has been done to attack and you know find problems has has been done and it hasn't it hasn't killed it right I I sort of left the community a little bit uh after the fork and everything um I mean I was with it for a while and then I was just like oh look I don't know like and then even though up right up until that point I'd been so so passionate or whatever and so but I kept an eye on it because I still thought you know there's something here and then when I came back after uh, Amori got forked off it just it just proved to me Again, like Bitcoin always does that uh, it just it just will survive the community the idea of decentralization and the passion of people for the the idea that we can have a new peer to peer economy will will override anything it just and that that 's essentially um, what this you know podcast is about right is that uh, you know I say at the start of every show about falling on the rise to global reserve currency right that 's just a meme that needs to get introduced to the population and right now. At a minimum, there's, you know, 600 people that believe it, right? That follow this uh, YouTube channel or or more, right? And as that that's like everything, it's sort of self-perpetuating, right? The more people that are bought in and are like on board with that idea, the more likely it becomes and it kind of goes from there, right? The last 90% of humanity is not going to be very hard to get on board with this idea because even 1% of people who believed that, this was feasible and going to you know has some chance of becoming true it's already an economy way bigger than most nations and it will just take over as a matter of sort of convenience so uh, yeah it's what what emergent reasons is saying is that that's that's how i think it is it's we we have to sort of recognize and proactively encourage the fact that we are that sort of you know intolerant minority uh in the words of nasim Talib, uh and that sort of that's why i, I will see but I think there's something to this sort of marketing of of the Bitcoin Cash community is like the Spartans. Because that was it. They 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 won in the big picture. I mean they all died, but they won. <laughs> uh you know, they won the war just because they 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 just would it was go out on your shield, you know. That was it. You come back with your shield or on it. And that's how Bitcoin Cash survived a price drop from four thousand dollars to eighty dollars and it's how it will survive everything else, uh really. I mean, Uh yeah, that's the theory anyway.
0: Uh, so the, so the other thing about, you know, true believers in the, in the Bitcoin cash community is that as, at least as far as I can tell, we are still pretty hell bent on just, uh, you know, um doing all the things that we have said that we are going to do, which is, you know, push for, uh, push for the, econ- push for the economic side of things, um encourage commerce, uh, you know, improve both protocols and software that enables those commerce and push. For the uh, commercial activities themselves, um, and uh, 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 despite the despite the position uh, that we are in, which is somehow embarrassing. Uh, we are not re- we are not resorting to some magical events that come down from the sky you know like uh having this or that pension funds or etfs coming in to prop up to, to pump the price or you know even worse in some other coins cases having this having this uh court case prove everything and award a million coins to some people uh, we're not relying on magical events like those so um. Yeah. Uh. I think. Uh, we are a pretty intolerant minority, but uh, as far as I can tell, it's it, there. There has there hasn't been you know like uh, very unhealth very unhealthy biases happening, <laughs> unlike in some other places. So yeah. All
4: right. So and we. That- Sorry, Jeremy, do you want to go?
1: Okay, well, maybe I'll just add one more thing, which is the, the final sort of proof of this as well is in the branding, right? Is in, in Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash split? And there's a million people that suggest it's like the first thing every new person says to when they join the BCH community is like, oh, but why don't we rebrand guys? Like this is kind of a hated brand. People don't really like it or whatever. It's known for being problematic. You're just the shittier Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the fact that is, of the matter is that we, we won't move off it despite all that sort of ridicule and, you know, all the problems associated with it, right? The idea is just more important. And ultimately, that means that people can't choose BCH uh, from ignorance, right? People can buy BDC just because they don't know there's another option or it's the first thing that comes to mind. But every single person in the BCH community knows what is the difference between BCH and BDC and has deliberately chosen uh, bch so if you extrapolate that phenomenon as as time goes on it's it's inevitable that we just win more and more sort of uh, support as long as things keep going so uh that's that's something i think you know it's really important to understand about the whole
3: do you remember com?
1: <clears throat> I, I remember the subreddit i don't remember the site the yeah the subreddit is funny now because it's like all these people that i told like Good luck with this in five years. And they're like, Yeah, good luck with that in five years. And here we are five years later, and it's like, Well, you're wrong, but whatever.
3: But Bitcoin.com was actually originally a website, uh, and I think they moved to a subreddit, but uh you know, when when B- Bitcoin was getting off the ground, it was basically the troll paradise for people to come together and and poo poo the project, like ah, these idiots. It's not. It's never. It's never going to get off the ground. And then, of course, when Gox happened, they they celebrated. They were just like, yes, yes, oh, it's going to die, you idiots. It's going to die. And I really feel like a lot of the same energy exists, right? Because uh, when when Bitcoin split you know, you had the, the one side of, of the argument, which was money, 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 price, price, price later, I'm going to get my Fiat. Right. It wasn't about, I'm going to use Bitcoin. It was, I'm going to get Fiat and I'm going to buy a Lambo. Right. Um, but BCH exists because people who, who want peer to peer electronic cash for the world, you know, uh, available for everyone, uh, having money that's available to, to people, um, where the dust limit doesn't suddenly price out, you know, 50% of the world's economy is really, really important. And of course, we would all like uh, the, the value of our wallets to show a bigger number, but in the long run, I think most of us hope that it doesn't matter because one BCH is going to equal one BCH. Um, And all all, all of this trolling from from maxis is really like it's just old now right like we we look ha we got so much more money than you okay but what what are you doing with it right what what are you doing with all this great money you've got like where where are you investing this money to make the world better right? 100
4: years in the dungeon um,
3: well
4: <laughs> right you, you so, don't have a like, place what's... in their citadel well
3: that's fine i i'm you know i i live in the dungeon that's fine i just need a bowl of milk i'm good uh but uh you know there's 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 really um just nothing like what what is what is going on with with btc that that is exciting for the world right like el salvador like is that the exciting thing is that the the big thing like i don't get it like Oh, now you can tw- you can you can tip people on Twitter. It's like, well, we've been doing that for years, right? This is not a, an innovation. So, so what what is the point of the project other than money go up, number go up, right? I don't get it.
4: So we're hitting oh like almost two hours here. So I've still got. I feel like I didn't really. Uh, get to the cults of crypto that i wanted to because i'd like to be like all right let's take all of the bitcoin forks plus ethereum and its ethereum fork and like monero and let's draw some parallels because i want to read some stories and be like yeah i can see this I like history does repeat and human behavior hasn't changed uh pretty well at all so i'd like to see uh i remember vin drawing um the Bitcoin Cash people, as like the Protestant crowd. And that was always something that was kind of interesting to me. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I want to get to one more thing. Well, I guess two more things. And then uh, we have quite a lot going on in the chat. So I think it might be good to address that if anyone wants to stick around. First one, just open question How much do you guys want uh, global adoption? Um, do you want that in any one coin or do you want to see like a diverse group of coins and uh, if we were to stagnate in terms of adoption now would that really be a bad thing
3: complex question you want to break that into two parts
1: I'm I'm happy to do 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 both at once. I actually listened to uh, last night. I was listening to one of uh, Bennett's uh, recent shows, which was about the um, network effect of uh, of money and stuff. And the guest was talking about the network effect of languages and how you know uh, languages have some sort of certain resilience to. Uh, all conglomerating sort of on, oh, that's not even a word, but all uh, coming onto to one, right? And the guest basically said, look, we've got the internet and all that, but not everybody is just speaking one language. Even though in, in my mind, over the next couple hundred years, you will see increasingly English or some sort of variant of it that gets mashed together with a few other languages become more and more dominant right we haven't killed off all the other languages yet but they are dying at a faster (laughs) and faster rate unfortunately because that's going to be a huge cultural loss to the world but it's the nature of time and convenience right and so in that sense i think uh, bch or what comes out of the crypto market will be that one coin will mostly take over i'm sure that it will not be the case that there will not be any other Uh, coins at all but i think the main reason that uh we have so many different competing coins at the moment is well partly because the technology is young but also because none of the coins that are big and we're really taking off could maintain low fees right btc kind of was getting a lot of momentum then the fees came too high for it to be practical the same thing has happened to um ethereum and if any of the other coins which now all have DeFi built in so the fees just skyrocket instantly without much real adoption because people make bots to yield farm like every one cent here or there uh and not real people using it but if a coin bch can get enough actual uh traction and and momentum and the you know all the work that's been done on the scaling and, and whatever you know can can hold up as more and more and more people flood in then the nature of economics is that it will take over most economic systems in the world and i think that's you know fairly uh likely on a long enough uh time frame i also can't see a situation where it, it stops that that doesn't make sense to me right because uh like we were talking about before with um you know as 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 people see it happening, they believe more and then they put in more money and it well, it's just like Satoshi said it's just a self fulfilling prophecy right like is there a chance that everybody who is in b c h now all sells out at once? not really because some people are just a lot of people are just in it they're in it for the idea, and so that that number can only tick up in terms of people that are joining it sort of it fluctuates obviously right, but there's a the there's a base layer that just only grows over time there's there's no leaving that system once you're in so extrapolated forward that that's that's the answer in my mind
4: yeah but people don't leave cults too often eh <laughs> yeah uh, uh, so during our recent
2: episode with Oliver Beige who was discussing like why we see these uh, Uh, don't necessarily expect the network effects to be winner-take-all in something like this. And a lot of that comes down to the way these different communities, right? And so the goal of a community like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash is somewhat different than the goal of um, Ethereum, for example. And so because of that different goal orientation and the focus of those communities, you don't necessarily flywheel to drive all those people in. I think related to this dynamic is why even in a single category, we never take all, is that at its heart, a lot of crypto governance is governance by fork. Uh, a certain issue that comes up that potentially divides the community. All of the government build eventually come down to the fact that a, a minority portion of any time to take the code and create their new entity. And so for any coin, for any curve, there arises an issue like that, that forces a certain portion of the network off you, only weakening those effects. And so I think this kind of uh, governance by fork, combined with the fact that these Works are created, when there's sufficient, sufficiently differentiated, like goal orientation, when you feel like the goal, your stride, it's adequately served by another coin, actually helps to weaken the network effect that drives the adoption, right? Because, like you guys all have mentioned, once you've bought in to the belief system of one of these coins, it becomes... Hard for you to be convinced that that coin is wrong and that another coin is clearly. The, I mean, even in the um, like Bitcoin Cash community, over the three years of its existence, its value percentage of a Bitcoin has relatively continually decreased. There have been cases where it's gained back some. But despite the evidence that Bitcoin seems to be attracting greater investment in all this, there is still this interest in community coin cashers who are not being pulled in by that network effect by that flywheel. So I think once you start ties and belief systems to these coins and to these specific goal orientations, you are adding in a structure in the network. In, weaken that type of network effect that can lead to
1: I've got a bit of a response I don't know uh well maybe I'll just quickly say it and then uh cheap lightning and imaginary can get in there but basically my uh counter argument to that is like I'm saying I don't think it will be 100% winner take all I mean that it'll be maybe like a Pareto distribution maybe it would be like 80% coin number one let's say BCH and 20% everything else uh so there will still be those other communities and whatever but the reason Uh, that that will happen and that people won't be able to argue with it is economic necessity. At the moment, it's very easy for either the BDC or the BCH side or any other coin to be like, well, screw you guys, we're doing our own thing. But that's because the world around them is still mostly operating on fiat. But if it was a scenario where 80% of the other people in your local area or maybe 95% or something – we're already trading this one coin, then getting out of that to, uh, do you want to accept this other coin? A lot of people will just be like, no, the same thing that makes fiat so hard, you know, for us to, to get people out of fiat into crypto will be the same thing that makes it hard for them to get out of one crypto into another crypto, which is why the fees point is so important because that's the one thing that everybody who uses the coin can agree far out. This is way too expensive. I'll use something else.
0: Um so i uh, so i'll provide a uh, a bit of a different uh, viewpoint in this case um i so i mean um, there is obviously something Special about you know uh, the Bitcoin legacy, and uh, there is there are very good reasons uh, that we are still using the Bitcoin Cash name. It carries with it uh, not only the fact that it was you know quote unquote the oldest coin, but also uh, a lot of the things like predictable like predictable uh, schedule and also proof of work and other things that we as a community generally stand behind. But uh, one one theory, which is that, okay, the biggest will uh, inevitably uh, take all, I think uh, as time goes on, the evidence has actually been moving in the opposite direction, like uh, you know, Bennett mentioned that okay, BCH has been falling as a percentage of uh, BTC, but on the other hand, you know, if you look at BTC's dominance um, on the on the long over the long run, it has been steadily going down. It has it's up and ups and downs during both markets and bear markets, but it has been steadily going down. And um, you know, uh, it is difficult to argue. That the biggest will always stay the biggest, just because of network effect. When crypto as a whole is trying to attack the biggest network in existence, the USD, uh, among other things, you know th- there are there are quite a few other fiat who are who also have much bigger networks than all of uh, than all of crypto combined. Um, but uh because of because of this you know any argument that we used to justify that okay um our coin will displace fiat or displace this or that asset uh and become the new dominant thing would also necessarily argue against uh, saying that, okay, once we take the top spot, we will stay there forever. Or it's uh, inevitable that as long as we become the biggest crypto in this space, we will continue to be the biggest crypto in this space. And everything just runs on its own. Nothing runs on its own forever. I don't think that's a reason. I don't think, you know, believing that things automatically happening, is a reasonable thing to believe. <laughs> um, and instead, I would say that uh, in the long run, um, especially because how much friction crypto removes from things, I mean, like we like to, we like to say that, okay, like uh, BTC and Ethereum are right now presenting some very, interest, some very interesting cases where they actually add friction in terms of fees, but in the long run, they're because there are some, because uh, crypto in general just reduces friction of exchange and uh, reduces the friction of commerce. Um, I think we can actually expect all coins to eventually reflect a complex set of interactions uh, among, like how much. Uh, how much commerce uh that given coin is facilitating, and uh how much uh you know there's there will always be financial manipulation, but also how much value it is uh, providing in general to in terms of productivity of the world and so on and so forth so um yeah even in that scenario in in that scenario even if we you know uh give less emphasis on this belief that okay there will be there will be a big there will be a big thing and the big and the big player will take everything i think uh you know network effect being one of those very important uh factors that also give value to a point it still has a place it's just i don't think it's going to be the be all and all of everything
3: if uh, I I can jump in, I think I think uh, everybody is is I mean, I agree with everybody, of course, um, the the real sad thing here is, you know, who 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 used to be a BTC Maxi? Well, imaginary username used to be a BTC Maxi. I used to be a BTC maxi. Jeremy used to be a BTC maxi. Jihan Wu used to be a BTC maxi. Roger used to be a BTC maxi. Vitalik used to be a BTC maxi. Right? We had this amazing network effect, and it was kicking ass. Like nothing, nothing was comparing to what we had. Um, and there may very well have been a a coin that just dominated everything if ethereum had been built on the original btc network i think it would have been really really hard for any coin to catch up to what they would have had with that amount of network effect right um and um community as well like all of the Ethereum people, all the people who are excited about, you know, Uniswap and NFTs and all of this stuff that all would have been on BTC right now, but because we have forked and like, whether you, you, you think Ethereum is a fork of Bitcoin or not, it, it, you know, it's not technically a fork, but it certainly is spiritually and, and community wise. Um, All of that would have been on BTC. Um, But, because these schisms happened um i don't think that there will be one coin at least not for a very long time you know the uh, money is also fluid um it will find the path of least resistance um, and whether that's technological or regulatory or, or whatever <clears throat> it will um but i don't i don't foresee a future where there's just one coin, but that doesn't mean there has to be one coin. There's, you know, there how many, how many different kinds of transportation are there? There's, there's an infinite number of things that people do. Um, it doesn't have to be one. It's not a zero sum game. I really don't believe it is. Um, but, but thankfully um, the people who, in my opinion, got the idea of what Bitcoin was supposed to be um, have now, their own project that they can work on. Um, And now that we have smart BCH, we can also take all of that really excellent hard work that has been done with Ethereum and bring that back home, bring it back home to Bitcoin where it was supposed to be in the first place. Um, And I I feel really excited um, and hopeful about the future because all of these innovations that were supposed to be on the Bitcoin, are going to be again. Um, and uh, it's a really exciting time to be part of all of this. And I'm I'm really glad that uh, you guys are here with me on this amazing magical ride. Um, and uh, I, th- I believe the future is bright. So let's rock. Let's go to Saturn. Away we go.
1: With what uh, imaginary username is saying, I I agree. There's no you know guarantee that let's say BCH uh, hits the number one spot uh, over you know BTC on the crypto markets or even in the world markets. Let's say there's there's still no guarantee that it will be that way forever. But the point would be if we built a network effect, we had the scaling and we had the vibe that the original uh, Bitcoin community had. Fork. If we had all of that going on, what it would take to displace it would be an, a new paradigm shift, right? You couldn't make another crypto that would outcompete BCH, basically, because the reason Bitcoin was able to, it, or was or is able to, you know, gain value from cents, you know, upwards against the USD is because it's like a fundamental improvement in the quality of the money, right? In terms of it being divisible, scarce, durable, fungible, portable, recognizable, right? Those fundamental attributes of money. So if there was a BCH at world scale, it's not to say that would be the thing humanity would use to transfer value forever, but it would be the predominant part of it until somebody invented whatever was such a leap ahead of crypto, as you know crypto is over fiat currency right or like as fiat currency was over precious metals so you would have you know whatever the next thing was which was some like quantum into universe type system or something like that which was so much better that it could defeat that civilization network effect that's my theory
0: it will probably be a lot less fancy than that. It will probably take some sort of new financial instrument that someone dreamed up on their toilet. But yeah, <laughs> the
3: flex capacitor.
1: Well, I don't know, but it's, it's just interesting. Cause when you think about, cause crypto as a concept or like the idea of a blockchain, you know uh, it's even in the white paper, it's about uh, there's no method to transfer money trustlessly over a communications channel. Right. So it's, kind of hard for me to see in the short term meaning like let's say 100 years uh what could be better than crypto because if humanity invents a new way to transmit information we'll just put the blockchain onto that right and that will already have the network effect and legitimacy of everybody who's already bought into those uh blockchains so the it would have to be a paradigm shift to the extent that I probably well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, can't and imagine there,
0: it. And, and there, has been, there has been several of these paradigm shifts, and you are correct. If, to displace something at the top, you it would take a paradigm shift, but there has been several of these uh, paradigm shifts uh, in the past that uh, and uh, they don't necessarily in need to include... Uh, you know, really fundamental technological technological changes. Like for example, uh I would argue that in nineteen seventy one, uh the United States shifted its shifted gear into an entirely new currency. Um people at the top just really just had this basically, you know, dream up a thing on the toilet moment where they are <laughs> like, wait a second, what if I what if we stop backing things with gold? I bet people would just go with it and then people went with it holy crap and uh and there you go and you you know uh a, sh- a wholesale shift to a new instrument was born and right now i would say that you know the properties of crypto that you know we have a predictable we have a predictable s- schedule and fixed supply um and uh, that it is uh, incredibly difficult to manipulate uh, in terms, well, at least in terms of the fundamental, not in secondary markets. Uh, and uh, that the fact that it is permissionless to transact and reduces friction by such amount, um, this is itself a paradigm shift. But I would not, um, I, but I would not uh, dare to predict what the next thing would be. It might, be something, it might be something really exciting. It might be something really silly. Uh, we might be able to adapt to that when it comes. Um, but right now, you know, we can just say that we'll worry about that later. Yeah.
4: All right. Do you guys mind if I open it up to a couple backlogged questions?
1: No, go ahead.
4: All right. Hold on. We had a troll in the chat, and it got spicy there for a second. Okay, here we go. Uh, in the case of forced KYC to use stable coins, um, what would happen to DAI given its heavy reliance on USDC? So
2: I've written about this pretty extensively. Um, there's some interesting design, design decisions that were made with multi-collateral DAI that result in it being dangerously dependent on USDC, um, the first is the assumption in the peg stability model that one USDC will always be worth a dollar. Uh, because of this, it's basically you're basically able to continually put USDC in and get die out, which leads to any time that USDC would break peg, you're going to see an accumulation of USDC in the die vaults, which is problematic because the vaults they're going into, these USDC A vaults, were specifically designed so that they cannot be liquidated, right? And so because they can't be liquidated in these cases where USDC is breaking peg, you see Dai um, become more and more dependent on USDC as a form of collateral as it's breaking peg, <clears throat> excuse me, um, up to the limit for the vault. And so besides that, the other issue, which is even less discussed is that um, Circle has the ability to freeze any USDC in circulation. And these include the ones stored in like a USDC A vault for DAI, for MakerDAO. And so because of that, the system as a whole, the way the protocol is designed cannot They have not built out the capability for the system to be aware when their USDC have been frozen and their effective value is now zero because of these two combined concerns, it is very easy for DAI to become effectively under collateralized due to its dependence on USDC. And the tricky thing is the protocol itself is built in a way that it doesn't recognize that it's become under collateralized. And so the rest of the modules and stuff that were built for DAI to start liquidating assets and recapitalize itself in cases of these under collateralization fail in the case when the collateral that's failing is USDC. Basically, the only option the MakerDAO community has is to take advantage of some of the governance mechanisms to try to force uh, changes in the protocol in order to accommodate that. Um, MakerDAO as a whole is extraordinarily exposed to regulatory risk or the fact that a government probably the US government can lean on Circle and cause these changes effectively to USDC. Um, The other even less discussed part of this is the economic power that stablecoins hold over these chains in general. And in terms of like picking the winning chain, we saw in the November, 2017 hack of Tether that Tether was able to use its dominant economic position on the Omni layer to force a hard fork of that layer in order to freeze those tokens. Um, We haven't seen this on other chains yet, but you can imagine situations like for Ethereum where USDC effectively um, makes it, chooses to only acknowledge their tokens on a single fork of the Ethereum network, effectively making any exchange or other business that wants to accept USDC to effectively accept that as the quote unquote real network. And so, MakerDAO or die, or make or die is exposed in several ways to USDC. One, USDC itself breaking its peg, possibly due to regulator, law enforcement, or other action. USDC being frozen and becoming effectively valueless, and the protocol not being able to recognize that, and uh, USDC basically being able to provide its influence to support a specific fork of the Ethereum network because of its, uh, economically central position on the network. Um, this is somewhat attenuated compared to like Omni in 2017 because USDC is a smaller portion of the economic activity on Ethereum than like Tether was for Omni in 2017, but you can still see some of those same dynamics existing.
4: All right. I got another question specifically for you, Bennett. Uh, although this one's a little gossipy, so if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine too. Um, So I'm just read the whole thing. Question to Bennett. But this one is about David. I assume the pronunciation is Gerard. Uh, I know he has researched Bitcoin Cash. Uh, Is it the image he has created as a crypto skeptic advocate that prevents him from having a different opinion on some cryptocurrencies that develop what they promise?
2: I do not think... That's the reason David holds whatever opinions he holds. Um, And I don't necessarily want to speak for David, but I think he believes that Bitcoin Cash and other cryptocurrencies are still fundamentally failing by whatever metrics he cares about. I don't think he's just I don't think it's that he's trying to stay consistent with a certain image. I think he holds that belief for the other ones as well.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting, I actually have no idea who this uh, other guy is or what the sort of context there is. But I think it's an interesting case. And we've talked about it on this show as well before, like with Peter Schiff, uh, for instance, who he's, he's kind of put his brand and he's all in sort of on the crypto is a scam, like, uh, type of type of thing. And it's really a question of at what point does reality occur to him that he's wrong, right? And maybe he is right. Like, if it all blows up, it all goes away, tether melts down, we're all idiots, right? But there's a certain point, and interestingly, in one of his more recent videos, um, I saw, like, some sort of BTC Maxis that he was arguing with got him to sort of admit, they just said, like, at what point would you admit you were wrong? Like, if everybody in the world used Bitcoin for every single transaction, pretty much, would you admit you were wrong? And he said, he basically, at that point, he had no out. And he sort of said, yeah, look, if I could see that huge chunks of people in the world were all using crypto as money, then I, I, you know, I couldn't sort of dispute that. And I would have to like sort of concede that I have been wrong this whole time and all my theories and whatever. And that was just sort of an interesting admission from him because then they said, well, can't you see that process going on right now? And he said, no, no, that's not what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And so we'll see, you know, only time will tell. But it was interesting that we're going to have a situation where people who don't like cryptocurrency, Ever since it began, it's basically a constant process of at what point do you modify your position at least to recognize that there's something going on? That's that's even been a big change, right? Crypto skepticism eight years ago was like, "Ha ha, this is a scam; it's going away." And there's zero here. But at the very least, now it's started to become like, "Oh, there's some interesting new things in finance that have kind of come out of this, or we've learned something new about people's social behavior, or you know, you, it's kind of too big to." ignore in that in that sense as to just dismissing it as nothing just gets you labeled an idiot at this point so uh we'll see if that trend continues to you know in the future or not
4: all right got another one for you bennett this one's uh, uh a jet. <laughs> oh, oh. you're muted that's unfortunate this the twitch stream heard that so we'll do it again all right another question for you bennett uh <laughs> what uh what does bennett think tether will do when the mount gox coins come out
2: I mean, I have no unique reason to think Tether's going to do anything in particular. Uh, Part of this is kind of a question about what impact do people expect it to have when, like on the Bitcoin price, when those coins are released. Um, Because that's the way it could potentially affect Tether, right? Tether is partially reserved in Bitcoin and their secured lending agreements are often secured by Bitcoin. And so it is theoretically possible that if the Bitcoin price were to fall enough fast enough, Tether would be under-reserved. Historically speaking, Tether being under-reserved has not necessarily caused Tether to do much in reaction. And so it's unclear to me that the Mount Gax coins being released would cause Tether to do much of anything.
4: All right. Uh, so I got one more question for everyone, unless we get more in the chat, um, and Bennett, you can talk about pretty well, whatever crypto you want with this question, but I know everyone else here is into Bitcoin cash. So the question is, we've all seen that website. Why Bitcoin cash? I would like a personal answer, not some, like, how is it useful for you? Not some like hokey pokey, I don't know.
1: Like, why why do, we, why do we use Bitcoin Cash at all? Uh,
4: why Bitcoin Cash? Yeah, I think I don't want to get into too specific of an area because I think it changes the question. But like, of all of the thousands of coins and not just cryptocurrencies, but like monetary value exchanging units there are in the world, why this one?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm happy to go first with my answer because I have it written down and you can find it at dot com slash about uh, where I just sort of summarize the whole reason with this podcast in about, you know, five paragraphs. Right. And there is uh, a, two little sentences here, which which explain it. Right. It says this. Bitcoin Cash is the real Bitcoin that Jeremy fell in love with so long ago. It is the world's most sound form of money adhering to the necessary tenets of money, scarcity, durability, fungibility, portability, divisibility and recognizability, and its most efficient payment network. No other cryptocurrency can offer as cheap transactions at global scale. No one owns it or controls it. It's decentralized and everyone is equally free to participate in it. These factors make it inevitable that the entire world will voluntarily adopt Bitcoin cash as their chosen money due to the power of exponential growth and network effects. Jeremy expects this process to be completed by 2045 or earlier. So that's, that's my summary. That's why uh, Bitcoin cash. Hopefully that's a a good case. That's, that's my answer. Meow.
3: Um, I, what can I add to that? Um uh, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple. Uh, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Bitcoin Cash is the only project uh, that is trying to become uh, new money for the world to bank the unbanked. Um, and um, at least the the one with the greatest network effect uh, that I know of. I'm sure there are some tiny coins somewhere that are also trying hard, but... Uh, uh, it's really really simple for me um bitcoin cash has the best chance of becoming new money for the world uh today so there we go that's it
0: um so i did provide part part of the reason just now you know uh, like from a personal and um, you know strictly utilitarian viewpoint it is a form of money that i find a very I should say convenient and liberating to both use and store and transport in it and so on and so forth. But on a uh, wider scale of things, and uh, you know, you have asked, oh, well, why not why this coin and why not the other coins? Uh, I have to say that uh, yes, there are uh product there are protocol advantages and there are name recognition things, you know, it has been a while for it has been a while for a lot of, for quite for quite a long time. Um, um, and uh, there is the ecosystem, there is the network, but I just want to add that uh, the people who form those networks are not all the same. And, uh, you know, uh, the Bitcoin Cash community, uh, I mean, I, aside from the fact that it's convenient and so on, all the utilitarian reasons, I think... I believe um, that uh, I want to have a genuine shot of changing the world in terms of how it operates for the better um, and have it go in a more free direction and a uh, more permissionless direction. And in order to do that, uh, it is not something that uh, is... Uh, achievable for i would say uh, any given group of people and i see that group of people at least um, personally uh, in you know the bitcoin cash community people who are working around people who are working around me and uh, people who are spending the coins and promoting the coins and so on and so forth, I see that in this uh, community of people and many of those would be even be watching the stream right now. So um, yeah, a large part of the reason is that I like the people that I'm with in this community.
4: Alright, so I guess the modified question for you Bennett would be uh, of everything out there as far as money goes, what's your favorite and why?
2: I mean, the only one I really use on a regular basis is the U.S. dollar.
0: Um, Wait, I thought it's the Canadian dollar. What the heck?
2: No, Cass is the one from Canada. He (laughs) goes up there with pokes. Um, Uh. I mean, I use the U.S. dollar because it's what I paid in. It is the global reserve currency. It is a relatively uh, stable store value with a moderate amount of inflation, which helps decrease the cost of the debts I currently hold and is widely accepted, easily used, and well integrated into the systems I use. Um, a significant, the other flip side of this question is why don't I use crypto? And there's a few different reasons for that. Um, the first reason I don't own any crypto assets is because I'm so frequently writing about them, discussing them and especially trying to investigate many of them and be critical of them. I worry that I'm not disciplined enough in my thinking. I worry if I were to own crypto assets, they would bias my thinking more so and it would be harder for me to really think critically about these kind of things. And so personally, I partially avoid them for that reason. The other reason comes down to I have significant outstanding questions about many of the design decisions of cryptos that exist. And I've talked about many of these publicly Um, for any of the Bitcoin chains. For example, I'm not sure that the 21 million cap was a good decision or even that it will persist. And then um, with other things, there just hasn't been a reason for me to become a user of them. I can see the appeal in terms of my wanting to potentially increase my wealth to own these things because they may accrue value, but that by itself is an insufficient reason for me to enter into any investment. And I've I've yet to have been convinced that owning them would grant me significant benefits beyond that
1: very fair is that yeah. is that uh are we coming to the end of the show there then jet you're the one in charge but uh it seems seems like a rough up kind of point
4: yeah i want to uh kind of give a little personal explanation um, oh
1: yeah you got to answer the question as well too yeah
4: and then we have one more question for uh <laughs> There's a comment, Cass is the one with the Canadian mint fetish. How true is that?
2: Oh, it's very true.
4: (laughs) Okay. I thought that was a joke. That's good to know. All right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, it's weird because ideologically, I'm open to a lot of different cryptocurrencies. But when it comes down to actually using it, well, so to say... To start off, I guess, uh, I'm interested in cryptocurrency because I actually feel like uh, I have some accountability with where my tax dollars go, and I don't currently have a choice in where my tax dollars go, and I do not like where the government puts my tax dollars. So uh, any way that can get me outside of that system as far as possible is something that I'm going to try and take. I think crypto is one of the most useful tools for that. So again, ideologically, I'm open to a lot of different cryptos, like when it comes down to it uh in the payment like it doesn't matter what coin it is for me it, it's it's outside of that that state realm or at least in that gray area which i uh appreciate but i find that bitcoin cash is the one that is uh accepted in the most places with the lowest fees uh and i think the community does have a large part to play in it um, I was introduced into cryptocurrency through, a uh, anarchist type community and somehow got funneled into the Bitcoin cashers discord way back in the day. And, uh, it seemed like it was a, a good, a good place with like-minded people. I am concerned, however, about how ins- insular that is, um, but maybe that's a benefit. I don't know. This is maybe... I think Jeremy enjoys this topic more than I do. (laughs) kind of hurts for me to think about. Um, But I think that wraps that up. So the last question that we've got, another one for Bennett. From your observations, is there any crypto community which is very Tether slash even overall crypto skeptic versus others?
2: I mean... There is one. Uh,
0: Don't say it.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's true. They are the I, most I know, tether I know. skeptical, but um, him knows they, what I'm gonna say, and that's why they, he's they, doing this.
0: The, they go, uh, they go off in some other direction. Yeah, <laughs>
2: they, they, they view tether as even more influential and dangerous than I do. Um, so the BSV community has constructed a whole bunch of narratives surrounding Tether, Tether's role in the ecosystem, and especially Tether's role in uniquely elevating BTC and working to keep the uh, poor, hardworking people of BSV down. And there is a significant subset of that community that is both Tether skeptical and skeptical of any other crypto protocol. Um, So that's the answer to the question is asked, uh, I I do want to add that I am frankly quite skeptical of quite a few claims that the BSV community makes about Tether. (laughs) I think they frequently go too far in describing Tether's potential role as criminal masterminds, as manipulators, or as things like that and i think that most of the papers that have looked at tether as a potential tool for manipulation have even pointed out and this is like returning to griffin and shams untethered that tether can have an outsized impact on the lower liquidity lower market cap coins and that even bsv itself primarily trades against tether and so i think rather than it being like a coherent and useful part of their belief systems it's become kind of a um dummy they can direct their ire at rather than look at perhaps other issues that may be affecting bsv's ability to succeed on its merits
1: well they're definitely one of the most uh conspiratorially minded uh crypto communities in more ways than one i think that would be my take on the bsv community in so many words
3: Sorry, I'm not. I'm not aware of what this community is. Perhaps someone can tell me after the show. I, I don't. I have no idea. What <laughs> about
2: if we all pretend it doesn't exist, maybe it'll stop existing.
1: That's the crypto mantra. That's how it goes.
4: All right. So that definitely does it. Hmm. That is two and a half hours in. Uh, I, should I st- we?
3: Should we do our introductions now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I completely forgot about that. Well, I mean, chances are if you're tuning in, you know who we are if not. I don't know. Figure it out. It's not my it's not my problem. Uh I I'd like to reiterate uh, I like the coin. I appreciate you all being here uh, and and sticking through uh the whole duration of this. Uh I don't think all of my questions were answered, but it's enough that uh I can harass my roommate with my talking to the air for another couple of days and not harass you guys. So appreciated. Oh, we
1: got Ooh, all right.
4: in the chat, all caps, spaced out, Craig.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Should have had ASB. him on. Well, maybe one other he time. On. <laughs> he, he, he's he's an Aussie. I'll I'll I'll, I'll hit him up with the uh, Australian. Uh, you know. gym,
3: mate. Yeah, yeah, I'll
1: I'll, 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 I'll say get a to him, and then he'll be he'll be down for. He, he did an interview for Hayden Otto, so I'm sure he has a, you know, uh, sympathy to other Australians in in crypto. I believe he's you know.
2: currently trying to convince the Australian Tax Office he's not actually an Australian and doesn't actually exist. Um.
1: Best of luck to him with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, he he might need it. He might need it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, are we, are we just going to do quick, uh, everybody can, I don't know, maybe have final thoughts or or, or whatever, and then we'll just uh, wrap up the show. How about that?
4: Uh, I don't know if I'm muted right now. No, yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, so does anyone uh, have any
4: final thoughts? Any shout-outs you want to give?
1: Yeah, where where can people find you? That's what we always you know, give the guests a chance to say hype your twitter feed or or whatever so yeah go for
2: it i'll go first you can find my extraordinarily active twitter feed at bennett tomlin on twitter i blog at com, and i am a co-host with caspiancy of the crypto critics corner podcast which you can find anywhere you find your podcasts
0: so you can find my Twitter at, uh, you know, uh, this display name. I am underscore you name uh, at Twitter. Um, so I, you know, I ramble about random things, but mostly uh, BCH stuff. Uh, and I retweet other people's things. And I would also like to uh, encourage, uh, in- encourage interested people to join the BCH uh, and smart BCH Telegram uh channels, you can probably, you, you can actually, you can probably, you can probably just search them on Google and, uh, you can, you can find them. Uh, and so there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things going on and, uh, you will surely be kept busy. So,
3: yeah. Uh, I am a cheap lightning everywhere, uh, um, th- on everything. So if you just type in cheap lightning, you'll find me. Uh, once again, the name predates Bitcoin it has nothing to do with lightning network, uh, so I get asked every single time, how come you lightning? Yeah, it has nothing to do with it. So there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, I uh, I do a bunch of stuff. So feel free to come and chat. I, I want to reiterate, yeah, Telegram seems to be where all the conversations are happening right now. So uh, I think a lot of us got tired of, of long form on Reddit and we kind of prefer the sort of ethereal platform that is Telegram now. So... Uh, come come say hi there we go
1: all right okay well that's it thank you everybody for listening as always you can find faqs and info on uh bitcoin cash at www.bitcoincashpodcast.com big shout out to the donators thank you very much it's awesome and i love it thank you to all of the guests this week uh you know stuck with us for our first attempt at a a group episode and i think it went uh pretty well thanks uh to jet for for organizing that uh i hope you've all enjoyed it and uh hope the listeners enjoyed it too i mean seems kind of active in the twitch chat so uh i think we're at least telling us telling uh you know having a discussion that people people want to hear right um which is what this is ultimately all about so yeah Thanks uh, to all of you, and uh, until next time.